Only when we act together will we have the courage to change our lives and the world around us. This is why community is such an important aspect of our human experience. Welcome to the Community Heroes podcast, where we celebrate and share the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Catherine Mann. On this show, we share the stories of people using their skills, experiences, businesses, and involvement through sporting clubs and service organisations to enrich the lives of those around them. Community is so much more than the town you live in. It's a group of people that care about each other and feel they belong together. They are the people that support you when you need it the most. They're the ones who share the same ideas, interests and attributes that you do. Now let's hear from the heroes that are pioneering, changing and impacting their communities. Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Community Heroes Show. Today I have Paul Cooperman joining us. Paul's worked as a senior engagement specialist. He's got an extensive career through engaging communities whilst producing and managing large scales events and festivals, facilitating workshops and events for community as well as corporate organisations. Paul has held CEO's roles as well as running his own businesses, created community initiatives and led community not-for-profit organisations. He has lectured in management and leadership at Swinburne University, is a published author, as well as a screenwriter, a playwriter, co-writing a signature musical for the 2011 Queensland Music Festival. He's also been an in-house writer for Channel 7, Home and Away, as well as Hollywood production companies. Paul currently runs an award-winning social enterprise, The Field Trip, whose vision is to see a world where all young people embrace their unique powers to lead their community. Paul is a guide for the internationally renowned ABCDE community development learning sites. Paul has been, um, is an expert facilitator and has vast knowledge experience working with and supporting not-for-profits, companies and enterprises to develop their business plans, organisation culture and professional development for programs, for strategies and for growth. Thank you for joining us, Paul. That is just such a very broad range of skill sets that you bring in. (laughs) Yeah, yes. That's great. It's nice to be here, Catherine. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're most welcome. So would you like to share with everybody just the work that you do? Because it's very varied in in a lot of aspects. Um, But yeah, talk about what you do in maybe of your career wise and then how that led into developing the field trip. Yeah, so I think um, from my early 20s, I think in leaving school, um, I always had a bit of a um, rebellious notion um, that I never really wanted to work. Uh, for anyone in particular and never have like a normal kind of job. Um, and so I did a lot of things in my 20s and 30s that were really about passion and really loved it, but I was pretty poor, um, but loved, always loved what I did, loved getting up every day. And I was teaching drama, I was writing plays and got into writing TV and then writing films and that was all great, but it wasn't really enough to support a family or buy a house or anything major. 
Um, and then I uh, met my wife and we had kids and suddenly I couldn't um, just be a kind of writer that kind of had to go and live in that city and then write that show and then move to that city and move around. And so when, when I was freelance, I did have to move around a lot. And so when I had a family, I had to uh, just be more stable. So I took, I started taking work that um, was around stability that I didn't um, love completely. I, I did love it and enjoy it, but it wasn't, wasn't my sole passion. I was connecting with communities and asking you know, what they thought and involving them in, in um, government projects and corporate projects. Um, but I thought while I was doing that sort of work, I really had to uh, keep, um, keep myself sane by doing community stuff, other stuff. So I thought if I, if uh, I started this enterprise called the field trip for young people, employing young people to run a program that were kind of extraordinary. So the point of the field trip is to put kids in positions where they, they wouldn't normally be in to really bring out their potential and put them in leadership roles. So I thought while I was doing that, then I could um, justify myself doing this other kind of stable job because my passion was around the field trip. I, I didn't sacrifice one for the other. I sort of ended up doing both. Um, and that's led to a whole lot of other sort of community projects, which I love. Um, but the field trip has sort of been the, the backbone of the last five or six years for me. The, the field trip is effectively a youth group which meets every week, but it's, it's not really that. Um, people say I must have a, a passion or interest in young people to, to be running something like that, but it's not really about that. It's, um, the field trip for me is about creating a better world and when you talk to 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, they're less inclined to listen and be uh, shaped or, or develop, you know, um, personal, um, develop personally or professionally um, because they're kind of more set in their ways. So the point of the field trip really is to work with, you know, 8-year-olds to 15-year-olds and then have leaders that are sort of 16, 17 to 25 because they just um, want to listen more and they want to um, – uh, they want to be guided and they want to see where, you know, life takes them and they're more open to ideas, I think. Um, and so that was why I made the field trip kind of the core of my community stuff. And I, as I said, other events have come out of that. So now recently I initiated a thing called TEDx Kyneton. So we brought TEDx to Macedon Rangers, which is great. Uh, we've, um, that, that will happen later this year or early next year. And we started a, a community fund where people come to a lunch, 10 people come to a lunch, they put in a hundred bucks each and they give their thousand dollars collectively to a community group. So that's for adults. But, but for me, it's no different to the field trip. It's no different to a, um, the idea of a, a, a group or mindset to kind of change the world for the better. So they are very complementary. Um, but yeah, the field trip is a, is a distinct social enterprise that I've been involved with for five or six years and is going really well. I love it. And I think it's just such a great analogy. You know, it's teaching them such uh, wonderful life lessons. You know, it's something we learn as adults, you know, to get out of your comfort zone because that's where all the life is. But if we do that, if we can learn that and we can teach kids that, then they just innately live outside of their comfort zone by stretching and extending themselves personally, but as well as in 
what they will be their professional lives as they get older. Uh, so yeah. they will be able to follow their passions and do things a bit different and and have it do it, you know, as more of a community focused. So doing it together and being more supportive and empowering one another is just skills that they will take with them and and thrive uh, through their rest of their lives. I agree. And I, I think um I think we start at the wrong point with adults in terms of change and development. So in adults, we say, okay, the person um, is fine the way they are and all they really need to improve is um, learning or a set of skills or um, a course they need to do. Or um, And I actually think that's completely wrong. I think um, what anyone needs to be the best version of themselves is not a course or a lesson. It's actually confidence and passion, I think. So if you get that right, if you if you make someone completely confident in who they are and what and what they want, and they can find their passion and pursue um, kind of values and goals and things that fit with their purpose and their who they are, their identity, everything else follows. And so I think with a field trip, it's not really about teaching them skills. Like people say, you should do like a business course for kids and teach them how to manage money. Well, that that all comes, you know. I think I think the the primary goal is providing them with confidence, a, a, a like-minded peer group. You know, people often grow up um, without really um, being close to anyone, never feeling like they really belong. So giving them a place where they feel they belong, um, like-minded peers, you know, passion for living, confidence, and then it, I think everything else comes. Then, then they can choose what they want to learn about and they can, you know, pursue their own learning. It's, not, it's less about skills, more about confidence. Yeah, that's it. And it, it is because you know when you're confident to put your hand up and say, yes, I want to do yeah. this. Yes, I want to own it. You know, I from my personal experience last year, there was no way I had the confidence to do a podcast. I looked at people doing them and like, I want to do that. But, you know, because I want to talk to people because I like talking, of course, <laughs> but I didn't have the confidence to do it. So I knew yeah. that it was that thing. I had to work upon myself and in t- do the external so that I could get that other external thing that I wanted to do. So if yeah, we can teach the kids that they don't end up as adults not doing the things that they want to do. That's right. And I think you, you would know this yourself, that you have to come at it at the time when you're ready to do it. So, yes. you know, two, two years ago, if someone ran a podcast course for you, you might not be interested in it at all. You know, you've just got to come to things when you're ready. But if you don't have the confidence or the drive, um, you're, never, you're never going to pursue anything. No one can force it down your throat, you know. Yeah, that's it. And how how important do you think that drive factor is? Oh, yeah, it's huge. So I, I was lucky enough to find it in my sort of 20s and 30s, and that, that's what made me um, think that other people could. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I think I think um, that's kind of crucial. So we, we do kind of, I would say, weird or extraordinary things. Like the first project we ever ran with the field trip in 2015 when we first got it going was um, we ran a weekend retreat for seniors and we had 15 people over the age of 75 sign up. Three, three of them had never used email before. And I was looking around for facilitators. And, I, you know, I'm, because I've been in TV and whatever, I know a few kind of celebrities. And I thought, okay, for marketing, it would be good to get, you know, someone like Deborah Conway or someone pretty cool to facilitate a session for the elderly. And that all became very difficult. You know, their time is important. Um, you're going to look at, you know, fees uh, um, for those kinds of people. Um, and we didn't have a huge budget at the time. And I thought, okay, well, what if we got kids to do it? 
Um, so that so we put I so I, was start, I had started the Field Trip Youth Group and and then just put two and two together that we're running this seniors retreat, and then so we had ten to twelve year olds facilitate that program for seniors, and that's where that's where I started to define really what the field trip was going to be. Um, so the following year we did like um, we started a YouTube channel for healthy eating where the kids not only had to um, uh, you know do YouTube clips but they had to be the teachers. And they had to cook, so they were cooking and teaching others how to eat healthy. And that, and they had never done that before. And they were again ten to twelve years old. Uh, and then we went, then we, um, you know, did MP for a day. So we spoke to our local member of parliament, and she was quite happy to have one of the kids be a member of parliament for a day. So she took one of the kids to parliament, and we really try and put them in leadership roles, even if they don't know what's possible or they don't expect it. Um, and they're the kinds of things we started doing. And I think that's what makes us different from other youth groups. Beautiful. It's just experiences that you don't get at uh, any other place. They don't get it at school. They don't get it with their parents. But then they'll take the lessons away and, no. you know, and share them with their friends and get everybody else involved too. Yeah, yeah. And, and we always um, take big risks as a leadership group. So we do things that we don't even know how it's going to turn out. And I think that's exciting, but it's also, you, you start, you start to surprise yourself. For instance, this year with COVID happening, um, we, we did an online course for kids. We, and we based it around kindness. Um, and so we did a 10 week kindness program for, for kids. And, um, we had probably 20 or 30 kids, uh, on zoom every week talking about kindness, being ambassadors for kindness, taking kindness projects out into their community. Um, that was really surprising because we didn't know how that was going to work. We didn't know if we'd get two people or no one. Um, yeah. But it, uh, yeah, but it was great. And so, so I think it's really important to, to take those kinds of risks and surprise, you know, be open to surprising yourself. I love it. That's really good. And it's, yeah, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to encompass and then pass along as well. So but what, what do you hope that the kids will get out of the, the value that you're providing them? It's a good question. Um, I, I didn't, I never wanted to treat it like a business where you've got a goal and an objective and a outcome and you've got, you know, and then you've got to work out how you're going to measure your own success. <laughs> it sounds very business-like. So yeah. I actually don't care. You know, I don't care. <laughs> it's my short answer. Um, but my longer answer is I, I do hope that the field trip fulfills its purpose in giving kids the confidence to find their unique, I call them powers, you know, find their unique power um, to be able to lead their community. Because the people that lead our communities at the moment are awful. <laughs> you know, they're, they're awful. You know, you're either councillors at local government or local government staff or they're community groups that, you know, have people over the age of 50 and 60 running uh, projects based on their own little agendas, um, not necessarily for the good of everyone, but for the good of themselves. And I would love to see young people find their unique power, get the confidence they need to really be able to lead our community. I'd, I'd rather live in a community that's led by 10-year-olds than um, by a lot of the adults that we have around us. So that's what I hope for. Um, but in the end, it's a fun weekly program. I hope they get fun out of it. I hope they make friends out of it. And I hope they build, build some confidence. But we, we've already, we've, I've been lucky enough to see kids who started with the program in 2015 who are still with us now in 2020. And now um, one of them's uh, paid leader. Um, and to see that trajectory um, 
And I hear occasionally, I don't go searching for it, but I hear occasionally from principals and people in their own worlds that, you know, how much the field trip has kind of helped them along. That's really nice. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's not, um, for me, it's not necessarily quantifiable and, and, I, and I don't look for trying to measure success too, too much. It, I just let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And why do you think you personally are so driven to serve in this area? Uh, I guess my background. So I was in a youth group when I was a kid. Uh, I learned the value of it. Um, I had great peers that I still, they're still friends today. It took me overseas. So it was very important that this program has, a, has an overseas component. And so we try and send regional kids in Victoria to overseas camps and opportunities. Um, so I saw the value of it. And um, I also saw the value of, even in my 20s, I was part of a, a group of people that ran a, a weekly program for each other. It was kind of a creative program to really open your mind and to learn about new things and to connect as a peer group. And I saw the value of that. And so for me, that's very important. So yes, they might make friends at school. That's not a given. You know, a lot of kids don't make friends at school. And, and as soon as they leave school, they don't stay in touch with anybody. So I think, um, and, and then you've got sport and that sort of thing. But again, you know, that sometimes is just for the, the season that it is. And then once you finish sport, you don't remain friends with those people. So I think another kind of peer group is really important. Um, and you can't force people to have a hobby or, or connect with other people. But um, from a young age, if they're part of some kind of youth group, and I don't mean religious and I don't mean politically, if that's what they want, that's fine, but that's not the field trip. Um, so having a peer group around you that's kind of like-minded, has the same values, you know, they, they might all think um, that they want to create a better world for themselves and for their communities, that kind of thinking, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, that it, um, uh, look, I had, I, I had uh, my wife's uh, brother uh, suicided when he was 16. And I always thought the, the few things that he could have had that he didn't have, which might've helped his situation was having a really positive peer group around him, having a passionate drive to do, for him, the world, um, or for his community, and um, uh, just and um, something to know what be doing in a few years, or ten years, or twenty years, having some sort of something to hope for, something to look forward to. So again, that's kind of built into the field trip. That the three components are peers, passion, pathway. So um, and that's what we focus on. And hopefully, given all of those things, a kid will um, be less bored, have, um, be feel respected, feel like they belong somewhere, feel like they've got some sort of path or direction and just stay out of the trouble and, you know, be, be good for their community. <laughs> that's, that's the hope as well. Yeah. Yeah. And have you noticed like, um, so I've always grown up in regional towns, so I had similar, um, you know, experiences with, yeah, attending youth groups and it was a really great experience. You know, you make some great friends, but they, they're not around as much. And, you know, a lot of people says, oh, kids, they got nothing to do. They're bored. They're running amok though. And it's like, yeah, it, it has been a thing where a lot of the youth groups that used to be just, um, um, yeah, they're just not around like they used to be. Yeah, that's right. And even when they are, so, some of them are religious, so there yeah. are still some groups based based in churches. Um, still, scouts and guides are pretty um, prominent. They're pretty strong, but you know, I don't I don't really love the, the the idea of dressing up in that uniform. And and I've been to a few scout meetings recently just to see what they're like. And 
often they are run by adults. You know, they, they try and say that they're run by kids, but they're not, you know, they're, they're um, even um, their district managers and all that, how, how the whole scouting system works. It is by adult volunteers. That's how they do it. And um, we don't have any adult volunteers and we pay young people to run it. So um, I'm not saying that's better. I'm just, I guess I'm saying that the, even the employment of young people empowers them to feel like they're valued, feel like they've got something to offer, even if they've got nothing on their CV. You know, yeah. so we don't, we, don't, we don't look for a resume when we're hiring a young person. We look for passion and interest and, we, and they come along and they try it out. And if they like it, they, they get a contract. So, um, no, there's not much like it. There's not much else like it. It's good. I love it. And so what other sort of support networks do you have in place and, um, and how did you establish those networks as well? Um, I guess part of it's just having the interest to do so. I think a lot of people work in isolation and feel like if they're doing a project, they don't know where to look or they don't know how to find partners or um, networks. So I think the, the first in the first instance, you've got to have the interest to do that. You've got to believe that you need help and the community can help you and partnerships are important. Um, I also don't spend a lot of time with negative energy. So if, if I'm in search of a partnership and someone's just making it hard or it's, um, it's, you know, it's just too difficult or, or they, we don't quite, we're not quite like-minded. I tend not to pursue it because life's too short and you know, you don't need that. So I tend to gravitate towards, people that say yes, people that make it easy, people that want to help or share or develop something together, people that want to collaborate. And, and that uh, making a quick decision about that has really helped because otherwise you can spend months and years in a relationship with a partnership that is just going nowhere and no one's ser- serving the other. So um, we've had some great ones over the years. Some, some have lasted longer than others. So we did a cubby project where we, um, the kids worked with a professional architect. They built an amazing solar-powered cubby, and then we auctioned that off and gave the money to Urban Seed, which is an um, organisation um, who uh, helps homelessness. Um, and that was a one-term kind of um, partnership with those, with those uh, so with, with the Wood Ends men, Men's Shed um, and uh, the architect and Urban Seed. Uh, that was sort of a one-off, but um, there are others that have lasted much longer, including neighbourhood houses that we've worked with for, for a long period. Um, and um, uh, so, yeah, um, we we try and, uh, I, I, you know, I'm just keep, keep my eyes out and open um, in the news, in, in the local community paper for um, people that want to do things, want to collaborate. We also, once we decide on a project, we look for um potential partners to get in, get involved with. We've done quite a lot on radio and worked with radio stations. Um, yeah, just always on the lookout and, and for like-minded people, for good people. Um, and that's worked really well. Yeah. Beautiful. When it comes to the, uh, tasks and the projects that you work on with the kids, how do you decide those? Do they come up with the ideas themselves or is it something that you, you float or you brainstorm? It's a bit of both. Um, kids, kids often say what they want to do, but, um, often, some people don't know what they want to do. You know, they don't, they don't, people don't know what they don't know. So you, so you'd never get a 10 year old saying, Oh, wow, I really want to run a retreat for the elderly. Like they just would never <laughs> say that. But, but as soon as you put them in that position, they love it. You yeah, know, it's gorgeous. Different and it's special. So I think there's got to be a mix of both. I, I don't believe in, um, you know, every, that people say, you know, 
they they like youth organisations where youth come up with the ideas, but I just don't believe it. So so with our council and with many councils, when you leave kids in charge to make their decisions, they will come up with a skate park. They will come up with a table tennis, you know, weekly thing. They'll come up with a, a movie night. They'll come up with a music, a battle of the bands. You know, these are the common ideas over and over that kids come up with. I'm not, I've got nothing against kids. I'll, you know, I like them. <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, I don't think, I, I don't think they, they can um, put themselves, I don't think they can achieve the purpose that we want through, often through the ideas they come up with. So it has to be a blend of um, community and grown-ups or adults um, having ideas along with the kids. So we work together with them. And, and so what, I guess what happens is, Traditionally, over the last five or six years, I might pitch an idea to the leadership group. Generally, they love it and then we pursue it. If they don't like it, we tweak it or we make changes to it. And then they can come up with ideas as well. So, for instance, someone posted, someone posted on Facebook recently um, the idea of the human library, you know, where you get um, – so people are, are the books and you have a setup where, where um, you can go to the library and you can take out a person for 15 minutes as a book and you can talk to them like you would read a book. Um, and so I pitched that idea to our leadership team for the field trip that was something we might do for next year. They all loved it. You know, we could set up a human library. It would be amazing for the community. Um, so that, that was one example of how an idea came about. We have leaders interested in um, sustainability and recycling and that sort of thing. So they brought, some of them have brought those ideas um, to the field trip. We did one term where we tried to build uh, an igloo, like a little house out of milk, milk cartons, like plastic milk containers. And we did that while we were doing that. One of our leaders had an idea to recycle like uh, bottle lids and uh, a whole lot of other things you find in the house. And so she did that. So we, it, sometimes the idea starts with me, you know, some of the leaders might, might put forward an idea uh, and then we just sort of work on it together. It, it's not solely the kids coming up with ideas, but there's an element of that. Yeah, beautiful. I think that's great. And you're right, because they will sort of come up and, and you know, reuse ideas and then pushing them out of their normal comfort zone is yeah. one of the core values of the field trip. And I think one that's of its right. really innate uh, superpowers of the program too. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. And so do you get, engage with other, um, I suppose, community experts and other people sort of coming in and, you know, sharing knowledge? Uh, I suppose they're utilising that a bit of the, the uh, human library already. Do you, do you do that with the children at the moment? We do, but we try and flip it actually. So, yeah. so I guess you're right. Like a normal community group would maybe get a speaker in or someone to, to bring in some knowledge to the group. But we, again, I guess because of our philosophy, we like to do the opposite. We like to go in and work with a community group, but have the kids be the experts and the leaders. So we, for instance, uh, the last few years, every year we connected with a, the um, local regional leadership program. So that regional program has 30 adults who are community leaders and they do a year program. We meet with them once a year and again, our kids lead that session. So rather than the community leaders coming into telling us what they want to do and they're the expert, um, we give the kids the chance to, to facilitate a session for the community leaders. I guess that, that's kind of our approach. It's not that kids can't learn. So we did another program called In Their Shoes and every week 
we, we did bring in someone who was from some kind of minority group. So we brought someone from the LGBTIQ community. We brought in a refugee. We brought in um, uh, someone who's deaf. Um, and, and they got to, but it, they, they did um, speak to the kids, like, like in a normal kind of structure, but we kept that bit really short. And mostly we just did an interactive activity with that person. So it was, it was a little bit of listening. I mean, also kids, you know, don't want to listen for a long period of time. And, um, and why should they? So, um, so there was a bit of learning, but there was lots of interactivity. And then we also, yeah, get the kids, um, speaking up and uh, presenting at other opportunities. We, we, I'm involved in community engagement. So there's, there, there's lots of community engagement conferences and there was one uh, called Engage to Act, which is a, a big community engagement sort of group. And they had a conference for sort of 60 or 70 professionals, community engagement professionals who came together to discuss the idea of community engagement across Victoria. So we ran a workshop for them where, again, the 10 to 12-year-olds ran the session on how kids want to be engaged, you know, about a skate park or about and, – um, and that worked much better than the kids going along to listen. Um, you know, being how told what it is that they yeah, need yeah. to do. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that is just incredible. I love it. It is such a yeah. good way to to talk to people and, you know, and, and you hope that then they will take those skills on and use them as they get in. It's like we don't just tell people what we want. We, we work in the way of collaborating and, you know, having those real conversations to get the much better result where everyone's working on the same page. That's right. So we, we ran a KidX event a couple of years ago with Sunbury Community Health. They're a great partner with us. Um, and so all the kids got to do a two-minute talk about something important to them. And we had counsellors and MPs in the room for the kids to talk to. So now I'm running TEDx Kyneton, which is actually a licensed event with TED. And some of those kids who spoke at that KidX event are now going to speak at that TEDx Kyneton event. Yeah, um, So it's wow. really exciting. Yeah, seeing that progression. Yeah. And it is. It's, it's those, you know, your building confidence is also that thing that you build upon, you know, it's giving them a two minute. That's, that's not too bad, you know, because you can do two minutes and then, oh, how about you do five minutes and then 10 minutes. (laughs) And of course, room just gets bigger. (laughs) That's that's excellent. It does. It does. And so what are your sort of dreams and vision for the future for yourself as well as for the field trip organisation? So I guess ultimately it is about creating better communities, a better world, I suppose, a more inclusive world, Um, people that are more confident to um, speak up and be heard and and not in an aggressive way but work collaboratively with others to, you know, uh, just make things better. So that's the end goal really and that, you know, that's not going to be achieved in my lifetime, but I think um, I've started to move into more adult kind of community concepts, like creating that community fund I was talking about and the TEDx Kyneton event. And, um, uh, and so the, um, yeah, so, so working with young people is one part of it, but now how do you do that with adults and how do you connect the two? So as the young people are growing up and becoming adults, how, how do you do that? So I guess the hope and, um, what, what, where I want to be going in the future is, is more of that sort of thing. Like I, I was about to launch a website the other day on, um, getting more, um, people from, um, minority backgrounds or diverse backgrounds to, to be a counselor in local government, because there's a lot of idiots 
who are counsellors and it would be good to get more young people as counsellors and more women as counsellors and more people of ethnic backgrounds as counsellors. So that there's no website that does that. There's no communication around the state or around the country that is pushing people of, of um, diverse and minority backgrounds to get involved. So why not? You know, there should be. So it, it, I'm, I'm just thinking in those terms, you know, how do you en masse in a big way get people thinking and changing the world and, and, and getting into positions of power where they can make decisions and work with communities that's my thinking because there's a lot of, you know, middle-aged white men running government and country. And um, uh, now I'm working with Aboriginal Affairs, so that's put a whole new light on my thinking um, just in terms of Aboriginal people having more say and self-determination and so all of that. So I, I guess I'm trying to figure out ways that I can assist minority groups and um, individuals to step up and play a bigger role and, um, yeah. It was quite an amazing um, event that you put on with the Aboriginal Heritage Commission. Would you like to share a little bit about what you did and, and how that came about? Yeah, so um, oh, it's a bit of history. So uh, basically was my role is with the Aboriginal Heritage Council, Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council and at the moment and with in comms and engagement. And we the last four years, the council had made a film around returning ancestors, returning ancestral remains, human remains to country because obviously white people have taken those bones away, put them in museums, and so they have to go back. So we made a film about it. And when I came into the organisation, my role was to promote that film, that documentary. So we planned a big launch at Federation Square and um, they Fed Square loved the idea. They were going to screen the film and um, the, on the outdoor screen, and we had a thousand people RSVP'd. And then COVID hit um, just at that moment, so we actually canned the event. And I thought it's really would be really good to keep the relationship with Federation Square, and it'd be really good to go with some sort of live event anyway. So we just did it online with Fed Square, and the way we did it, we had four amazing traditional owner speakers from around the country on screens, and we had uh, two people at Fed Square. One was the technician and one was the MC and they were in Deacon Edge. The rest of it was empty. It was, there was only two people there. And then we just streamed it online and we did a lot of promotion for it and we got probably 1,200 people viewing the event and it was about um, protecting or caring for country and country meaning the place where you live. You know, How do you care for it and how do we make sure it's there for generations to come? So... Um, Again, that, that fits really well with my own plans and thinking of just tr trying to give a voice to people that don't normally have one. And also, um, not a lot of groups tend to speak to each other. So Aboriginal people tend to speak to other Aboriginal people. LGBTIQs tend to speak to their own communities. So how do you cross communities? How do you get you know Aboriginal people speaking to the rest of Victoria? And how do you get refugees speaking to the rest of Victoria? Um, and that's part of, I think, solving that will help with knowledge and understanding and connection. Um, and so that event for me was about that. It was about connecting not just with Aboriginal people, but rest of Victoria. And we, we did get a good response, but there, there's a lot of work to go in that area. Um, and I also push in the Mass and Rangers, you know, knowledge of who the traditional owners are and, and also a bit about language. So I'm working with a couple of schools to get them to include Aboriginal languages in their school. So anything I can do in that regard, I guess that's where I'm headed. And I don't know what, will be achieved, but um, as much as I can. 
Yeah, that's incredible. I love it. That's really good. We had a guest on uh, just a few weeks ago, Adam Drake, and he's from the Northern Territory, and he shared the similar values in the way of, yeah, he worked with Indigenous kids, but encouraging, um, you know, white Australians to go back and understand and go to country and get to know the elders and understand the language. And I thought it's uh, it's a very profound um, inside and something that we can all do is to to really go to their land and understand from their point of view and that's where the healing will happen yeah yeah great and so as a kid growing up were you also a big advocate in helping people to you know uh, have a voice and to share their stories uh, a bit of both I think um I had a fairly troubled childhood and was a bit of a rat bag and stole stuff and, you know, um, experimented with the law and that sort of thing. But, um, uh, I also started this youth group when I was sort of 12 or 13 and really loved it. And I loved the values of it. And so I saw quite a big disconnect between those values and what really happens in life. And I didn't see a lot of adults really, um, sharing those values or, or committing to, um, uh, positive, positive community or, I didn't see. A lot, I didn't have any, many role models um, in that area, so I I justified um, taking shortcuts and breaking the law, and you know, ran up parking fines, and I didn't really care because I didn't know a lot of people that cared. So why should I care? So, um, but I pursued a path of trying to understand, and I um, went to live on a kibbutz in Israel, and because it was socialist, and everyone's supposed to be equal, and I, so I did a bit of that when I was young, and then. I reconnected with some old friends that I had when I was a teenager in my twenties and um, that was a really positive influence. And suddenly I had a bit of a peer group that really believed in, you know, good community, positive values. I'm still friends with them today and those people. And um, that really turned me around a bit um, in terms of, uh, yeah, that I could contribute positively to the community and I could um, start, you know, start to do that be a good influence on others so that's when it sort of happened but then I had a career in writing I did that for about 10 years and didn't do much community work but when I um after that when I got more into sort of community engagement and stuff then I uh and I moved to the Master Rangers then I started to think how I could build and connect and you know be a, be a good influence so yeah, it's taken time but I no I wasn't I'm not pure and I wasn't perfect but sometimes you should be in that rat bag of a kid, you know, then you you get pulled up by those sort of groups that, that want to help you and, and give you the support to turn you in. So really yeah. the, the theory works. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. And so how can people um, get in contact with you? How can they get involved with the field trip and TEDx and and how can they follow your journey? Uh, yeah, probably through the field trip website is the easiest, and there's an email address on that. But that's um, uh, www.thefieldtriponeword.co. Um, so they could look at that and get in touch through the website. Um, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, um, and uh, yeah, always looking for new ideas and partnerships and things to be involved with. And um, uh, yeah, very happy to collaborate. <laughs> Beautiful. That's excellent. And is there anything that you are looking for and needing any help and support with or resources around at this particular moment that you'd like to share? No. Um, no, not really. That's okay. <laughs> Whatever comes is great. 
<laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, Paul. It's been really yeah. insightful. It's been uh, very inspirational for me, just your, your vision and your mission and how it does look so different uh, to, to a lot of things that I that, yeah, that are out there at the moment in being driven by the children, for the children and for the end goal of being able to, to make that world a better place. Hmm. Uh, and doing it from such simple fun, you know, just creating fun, giving yeah. confidence, giving support. I think it's it's just amazing. I love it. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, Catherine. It's been a great chat. Yeah, excellent. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more stories of awesome everyday people helping their communities, then make sure you subscribe to this show. Also, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email at communityheroespodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram just by searching Community Heroes Podcast. Also, you can connect with me personally on LinkedIn by searching Catherine Mahn, that's C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-M-A-H-O-N. I hope to hear from you soon.